Hi, welcome to Behind the Lighthouse, short stories from Byron Bay and beyond, where we bring you short stories created by amazing writers living in the Northern Rivers, Australia, the Byron Bay hinterland, so to speak. And I'm your host, Steve Nossiter. The Northern Rivers is Bundjalung country. As part of this storytelling, I'd like to acknowledge the Bundjalung people, the traditional custodians of the land on which we writers live. And we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers, and yes, parfait has layers too. But how often have you considered the distinct layers of earth itself? And to visit these layers and experience them firsthand is something only a select few of us will ever do. But sometimes, a story will take you places you've never been before and may never be able to go in the flesh. This is one of them. It takes you on a journey through the uppermost reaches of our atmosphere and then plunges us into the depths of the sea only to follow the humble journey of a tiny bubble through the stratifications of the ocean and all the way up to the surface. Lani, Sky of the Sea Written by Steve Nossiter Read by Steve Nossiter. Think of your world. Okay, it's a big request to think of everything at once, so let me narrow it down for you. Think of the place you live, which I'll assume for now, considering that you're most likely a human, is that bit between the ground and the sky, the bit full of air. Now, while you're still in your mind's eye, look up. Do you see it? Can you see the top of the sky? It's a really long way up there, and if you were never told, you probably couldn't know you're actually seeing through some distinct layers of the atmosphere. This is an important point, and to help you visualise this and see these layers for what they are, let's go there. First, feel your feet get lighter and lighter on the ground until finally gravity releases its hold on you completely. Then float higher, wheeling your body upwards through the first layer, the troposphere. It doesn't take long before the cold hits you. The crisp air is refreshing at first, but as you rise past the small fluffy clouds, even past the tops of the big fluffy ones, then through the surprisingly thin layer of the feather cirrus clouds, you pierce the tropopause, the thin wavy boundary between layers and into the stratosphere. The cold becomes visceral here, harsh and unforgiving, and the air itself seems to have become scarce, as if it's shrunken in on itself. Its presence not necessary for supporting any life out here, but seeming to merely exist in some kind of hibernated state. Go further up, further out, through the stratopause and into the mesosphere. 
Did you feel the transition? Moving from one to the other? Maybe you didn't, but it was there nonetheless. The cold has become so intense now that it has completely bypassed your senses and forced its way straight into your unconscious mind, which in turn would be responding at this point by going into a state of absolute panic and fear. But you circumvent these primal sensations and move on. You go further up and further out again, gaining speed as you go, through the mesopause, bursting into the thermosphere and ionosphere. Strangely, you feel the temperature increase, but this minor gaining comfort is quickly compensated for by the onslaught of solar and cosmic radiation, increasing exponentially as you fly faster and faster up through this 500 kilometer thick layer. Take a moment as you rise to look across through the atmosphere. Notice the gentle, consistent curve of Earth's surface, gently blurred by a delicate blue-violet aura. The skin that delineates Earth's atmosphere from the vast openness of the rest of the universe. The sky, the mantle of life, custodian of everything that has ever happened and will ever happen on the planet cradled in its powerful grasp. At this point, we can no longer go up, because from here there is no up, just out, away from Earth. Keep going and feel yourself moving through another transition. Ignore for the moment the fact that you can't breathe and that your body is explicitly trying to fill the void that the complete lack of air has left around you, and move through the ionopause to the exosphere. There's plenty of room to move here as you gaze out through this 10,000 kilometre thick layer. If you were a radio wave, you would have bounced straight off that last transition back there and started back to Earth again. But because you're not a radio wave and actually a person, you find yourself continuing stoically through. If you were to shrink yourself down to the size of a little atom, you might make a few friends of oxygen and hydrogen, but only a very few and they'd likely not have meant to have come that high themselves anyway, being on a very deliberate trajectory back into the lower layers. Sometimes you'll watch them slip out of the grip of gravity entirely and shoot off into space. Oh well, hope they do all right out there. Let's slow down now and just look out into the final layer, the magnetosphere. It's not really a sphere, but rather a shield, shaped a bit like the ripples created when you swish your finger through still water. This is a powerful fortification, protecting you and all the rest of the planet from the unrelenting assault of solar radiation emanating from the sun, allowing through only the smallest and gentlest of solar particles, giving us the effect back on the surface of a nice sunny day. If you had the ability to see the effect of this, I think you would find yourself utterly awestruck. The giant wave of light constantly and consistently slamming into this energy field, splitting and streaming outwards from the centre and spiralling towards the Earth's poles. It would give you the effect of being somewhat like a tiny ant in a little glass bottle, surfing one of the biggest reef breaks in Hawaii, in slow motion. 
What a ride. Now, I'll give you a moment to make your way back into Earth again. Feel the layers brushing and pulsing past you as you retreat, back to where you can once again feel the idea of downwards, and back through the layers of sparsity and hibernal numbness. Keep going, down through the cirrus, past the cumulonimbus anvil tops, down through the fluffy lower cumulus layers, and finally, seeing your point of origin, gently slow down. Carefully, place your feet back on the ground, alighting your being and your presence to your original state of acceptance of gravity and its steady effects on your body. Now, look down. You probably don't have to look very far to get to the edge of your visual limits. The ground is traditionally fairly close to the eyes of an average human, but just because you can't see further than the ground doesn't mean that it doesn't go deeper. I'll spare you the journey through the myriad subterranean layers and get to the point. The world is made of layers. Yes, somewhat like onions, I guess. But more important is the distinctions between these layers. Sometimes apparent, sometimes not. These layers define where our world starts and where it ends. Take the ocean as another example. After all, it does envelop 71% of the surface of Earth. The ocean's surface is a distinct line, sometimes a very wavy line and other times so still you have to really focus to acknowledge its very existence. But it's a line nonetheless, a transition between sky and sea. Move down through the various layers of this briny world to the muddy, rocky ocean floor, veiled in utter darkness and saturated with a cold analogous to the higher layers of the atmosphere. Between these two lines, these two transitions, lay the majority of all life on Earth. Their world, seemingly starting at the ocean floor and ending at the surface, to them is complete, whole, unified. Most creatures never become aware of more than a tiny portion of their vast world, content to live their entire lives within a small distance of their place of origin. Other more ambitious beings travel wide and travel deep, gathering not only food and friends along the way, but the wisdom that can only be developed by immersing themselves into the richness of diverse seascapes as they journey along their instinctive ancient songlines. And some, not many, but a select very few will traverse the entire depth of the ocean, moving, much to gravity's disgust, upwards, dancing and spinning, each in their unique way, creating long, silvery trails as they go. Most bubbles don't make it all the way to the surface. They seem to feel the ocean pressing in, her enormous strength and immeasurable complexities weaving around them drawing their very being from within their shiny round skins. The mother that started them on their journey at the ocean floor now pulling them back into herself, integrating their precious air into her wholeness before they can escape her grip and transcend into the realm above. But occasionally, one small bubble will make it all the way, however not without feeling the effects of her pilgrimage. 
Not scars that you and I would recognise. Bubbles don't scar easily. And not all bad, but deep. These are all changes brought on by the convergence of events and the meeting of key individuals. Characters, most that she would happily look back on as friends, would breathe life into her as their connection grew, filling her with purpose and energy. And this would buoy her enough to rise her to the next level and meet the next challenge, time and time again, until she would find herself facing her final summons. To rise above the surface of the deep. To gaze into the seemingly endless ether. And shed her skin. Her protective layer. Her mantle. Breathing out for the first and last time. And becoming one with the sky. Thanks for joining me. If you like this story, please consider subscribing to this podcast and maybe even leaving a little review. For now, we'll see you next time round with another short story from Behind the Lighthouse. Short stories from Byron Bay and beyond. Behind the Lighthouse was written, recorded and produced by Steve Nossiter. Me. At Arcane Studios in Ganella Bar. The music was also composed by me.